0: Hello, hello, hello. This is JJ Caballero. I am your new favorite host of Mono Stereo Video. Welcome to Mono Stereo Video. This is a podcast about movie soundtracks. It's a chance for me to talk about movies and music in a... Somewhat organized way with people I really like and really admire and have a good time talking with. Today is no exception. This is a pretty long episode because Ross and I talk a lot. So, you're about to listen to the episode I did with Ross Ingram of hogar records um he does solo music he's in a band called eep Um, he's produced records he's been he's been in bands and he's he's all around we'll talk about it you'll hear about it Uh, and we talk about the movie kids we talk about the soundtrack to the movie kids it's a hard movie to watch i can't i can't recommend doing that so listen to our podcast see what you think and yeah thank you very much for being here Welcome to Mono Stereo Video. <laughs> my name is JJ Caballero, your new favorite, uh, also known as the Mexican Rick Moranis, also known as the Hip Hop Walter Mercado, also known as Mr. Mira, Mira, Mira. It's a podcast. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a producer, a songwriter, a, an artist in, in my own right, and I, I, do, I do different things and I really like movies and this is an excuse to talk about music and movies at the same time and i interview friends and i also just you know we kind of like set up and can talk about whatever fucking movie we, it's my show we can talk about whatever we want <laughs> and uh, and uh, this week i have a friend you already heard his voice on the podcast his name is Ross Ingram he is the uh, co-owner owner uh Brainville co-owner yeah co-owner yeah. Brainville there's a, there's uh, a Co- okay, co-owner Branville. Uh, he's also, you know, engineer, producer extraordinaire out there. Produced a bunch. Of rec- he's 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 continuously working on on stuff. Uh, the most recent, uh, what what's the most re- like you've done? Uh, Acid Wave uh, was yeah, out there. We got there. the
1: Acid Wave record coming out in. That's pathetic. I don't know any of the release dates for our label. It's, I, should, uh, I really should. Uh, I think it's May. I think okay. late April, early May is the Acid Wave record coming out. We probably. I think we also haven't like. Announced a date, so maybe that's why I don't remember. But we've got that coming <laughs> out. It's a fantastic album. It's literally some of the best work I've, I've ever done. I think cool. it's just kind of a product of, of working with artists that, like, I mean, they took to the studio like almost no one else I've ever worked.
0: Cool, with. man. Awesome. It was their and first time in a real studio, and they came. I mean,
1: yeah, they're great. They write okay. great songs. They're great musicians, and they're one of the most like functional bands I've ever seen. Like they cool. get along really well. They work together really well, and so when they hit the studio, they just like. They just figured it out like they they're cool. like oh I, I see what we can do now and so they took they really took all their songs like to another level and it was you know because they were so ready and so prepared I was able to really help a lot with that too and kind of awesome. you know, get my best sounds get my best arrangements that kind of kind of stuff. Hell yeah dude and it's it's I mean it's one of those albums that like if I had nothing to do with it I'd still be buying it the day it came out yeah okay. it's, it's just cool. the songs are so good you okay. will never get them out of your head that are so catchy it's, it's oh cool. we have a couple other that are that are in the pipeline but have not been like the signings haven't been announced yet so I can't you know give names but no no
0: no worries I, okay so Hogar Records is you like so what's what explain explain Hogar also a little so bit
1: Hogar Records is a El Paso based record label um it was started to out and distribute records for our band Eep, cool. which is kind of a shoegazy art rock band that I play in with uh, my friends, Rosie Varela and Sebastian Estrada, Amazing both of artists. whom are also co-owners of the studio and the label. Amazing. Um, and then the label is also owned by Rosie's husband, Justin Ozer, who he handles most of the like. Amazing. Guy. Administrative and business and promotional side, all the stuff I'm terrible at, which <laughs> I I, I've had two other labels that I've run in, or own owned in the past, and I am very good at the process of getting the record ready. Yeah, like I I do well in the studio. I'm pretty good at getting deadlines and all the deliverables. You know, having all the edits and the mixes and having you know I like I like the process of design, and I'm good at getting all those assets together and yeah, coordinating that. You know, getting stuff to pressing and all that. But once that record is like pressed. I am absolutely terrible at promotion. I am wow. absolutely terrible at I'm order good at fulfillment. That. Like I'm the yeah. I'm I'm one of those guys that like I have to really I have to mark on my counter like five times. Mm. Like, okay, you have to ship records tomorrow because mm. people bought them. And I mean, it, money in there. It's a lot. Like it's yeah, a lot to keep up lot. with. It's a lot yeah. to
0: keep up with. There's a whole lo-fi thing going on out there on TikTok. I think TikTok is like a really. I think that's the uh. So, somewhat to me it's kind of that attraction to it too it 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 it's the it's the social media to me that has it, it's the first piece of social media that has that sort of blade runner hackers um vibe where it's like it's it's just very quick everything's quick everything's in your face or like minority report where it's like it's just reading your head and Mm -hmm. everything's super tailored to you and i don't know i don't know how i feel about that but it's but it's it's also it's also in those movies where it's like the technology is like it is like sort of lo-fi you know what i mean and has that like there's like a vapor wave like thing to it i don't know i don't it it, the tiktok has that that thing to me speaking of lo-fi this record this soundtrack is so what what's your relation to the movie kids because so gonna be honest in this uh, i i watched i would watch kids uh and i i Believe I owned it. I know Casey, like Casey owns it. We own it now, right? And and I know I owned it growing up. And I think I was like possibly like thirteen the first time I saw it. Uh, You know, I was I was I think that's possible. That's probably the age of these teens, right? Like in this in some of them, yeah, yeah, right. Like so, I was thirteen
1: to sixteen or something like that. I think
0: probably the age of these
1: kids watching a lot of like people playing them are that age too. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I I think Rosario Dawson's fifteen in that Mm sixteen. Ooh. Yeah, and like I think the you, only one that that of the kid, like the main character, kids who's actually an adult is uh, Chloe Simeone. Yeah, I don't want to say her last name properly. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I'm with. I'm. I'm. As I'm if with you, you hear it,
1: Chloe, I'm sorry. I tried, but
0: imagine she listened to this. Oh, oh I <laughs> you die. Know. She's into oh, a lot of stuff. Please come on the show. Oh, I want to know. <laughs> I wonder what. I wonder what. But anyway. Anyway. So. Like I, I saw this and I owned it and I thought like it was it was one of those movies that I saw and it was like one of the first movies I saw on uh, the independent film channel, IFC, because mm-hmm. my dad got Satellite and we had it in our room and I was like, yeah, I'm indie now. Like I'm punk rock, dude. I watch yeah. these types of movies now. And then I saw it and like I, you know, I, it, was, it was heavy at the time and it was kind of grimy at the time and it made me feel icky at the time but it also made me feel like... I also thought, oh, I'm cool for watching this, and I, I can. It was a consistent, and then this yeah. time, this time around, like in my thirties, like ooh, it's rough, yeah, dude. What, yeah, what's I the mean, I,
1: so if I remember correctly, I found out about it through the soundtrack. Um, my memory of it is that we were, I was very cool in eighth grade, super cool. <laughs> so I'd have lunch sometimes in the science classroom.
0: Really awesome. cool science
1: tech teacher, and she would let us watch MTV. Me too. Yeah, at I had a cool science and, uh, teacher. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she was very, you know, really cool teacher. Like I said, we get to watch music videos at lunch. Awesome, so that was cool. And I was obviously waiting for music, <clears throat> and <clears throat> we saw the video for Natural One, and mm. we had no idea. I'd never heard a full composition, I'd never heard a movie, mm-hmm. and I'd never heard a song like that. And you know, it starts with that that synth, which was already cool. Like it's like, whoa, that's a cool sound. And then the drums come in. And it was, like, <clears throat> there were, like, three or four of us in the room. And I think we just all went dead silent. Just watched the whole thing. Like, what? Who is this? And then, you know, it's a real, like, dodgy video, lower quality. It's a pretty lo-fi, low-budget yeah. video. And you don't really get a good look at everybody. And in one shot, uh, Lou Barlow looked a little bit like Chris Novoselic, the way he had his hair and with the bass. Yep. yeah. Like, is yep. Chris Novoselic's new band? Right. Which, no, <laughs> no, his new band was much less cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was just like, it was something, it was nothing like anything I'd ever heard before. And that song like just sold me on. Like we, you know, wrote down what, it, what, was. It, what is this band? Where is it from? What are they yeah. from? Where's that song from? And it took a while before I was able to get the soundtrack. I, I don't remember how long, maybe about a year, six months to a year. Okay. Uh, I think I got it with my first run of my like six CDs for a penny from BMG.
0: Cool. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, they—that was such a horrible business model. I remember we got Chumba Wumba, uh, OMC, <laughs> OMC, and uh, Dave Matthews Under the Table and Dreaming out of those. Nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a good business model for them <laughs> that they had that. It was that subscription thing where they would, if you didn't cancel, they would say yeah. you can charge you every month. Yeah. But uh, I discovered that you could just write them a letter and be like, "Hey, I never got my CD." And oh. they would not charge you. <laughs> and then if they started to catch on, then you could write them a letter saying, "Hey, I I sent you a cancellation, and you had Wow." And See, I didn't if know that, that, that didn't work, you send them one that says, "By the way, I'm a minor. I can't enter into contracts, so I don't owe you anything."
0: Oh, that's so, such a I good. I mean, I think I only got a good three one. or
1: four free CDs, and it was never intentional. It was just that, like, you know, you get the package, you have to write return to sender and send it back, and. Like I said, I'm bad at mailing records. <laughs> so
0: wow. that started no. yelling,
1: apparently. So like, <laughs> like, I had a my room uh, I had oh, like habits. a couch, a couch, like a pull-out couch is my bed, uh by choice, not like by neglect or, or poverty. just like <laughs> that was a cool bed when I was sixteen. Um, I was wondering uh, why
0: we were why we were choosing kids, man. That's why <laughs>
1: <right>? <laughs> and uh and so like I can remember pulling up the cushions and finding I think the one I remember finding was Depeche Mode's Ultra which I had oh. not wanted to buy. And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't return it. But the upside was, then I opened it, listened to it, and that's a really good album. Yeah. But yeah, so I got kids the Kid Soundtrack from uh, BMG, and I don't think I saw the movie for another year or so as well because IFC wasn't around yet. And, you know, it's was pre So what, what
0: year would this, would this have been? What Because that be?
1: came out, I looked it up the other day, I want to say this is 95?
0: Yeah, the movie came out in 95.
1: yeah. So it would have been ninety five that I that this all okay. happened. Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, That's wild, man. Watching. I mean, back in the days of music videos, where you could you could mm-hmm. see Lou Barlow. On, 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 you could see uh, like Seb- Yeah. How do you say their name? Sebado, Sebado, Seb- you, Sebado. Okay, seven, so you yeah. could see some Seb- Sebado. You could see a Dinosaur Jr. video, like you could see yeah. something like that. That's mm-hmm. wild. And that, that, that does not exist. Like it's You have to literally no. search for that. No. And like... Yeah, I
1: want to I wanna say that video came out like a few months before the movie. Because wow. if I saw it in eighth grade, that would have been earlier in 95. But anyways, yeah, so we saw that. And, and I, I don't think I saw the, the movie for a couple of years because it wasn't widely distributed. You know, it was uh-huh. controversial as well, so it wasn't like right. Blockbuster it was rushing to to, <laughs> to pick it up. Although I think that's probably where we got it eventually we found it a year or two later again because the soundtrack and you know we heard it was supposed to be this like you said it's this hip independent movie you know i watched stuff like that being like 15 or 16 when i saw it it and it being all gritty and stuff it made you feel like yeah cool like i could be this gritty maybe not that bad like i'm not gonna get eggs but but right we we could get a little wild yeah there's probably also an element of like man i don't feel so bad about like the little bit of delinquency when i'm looking at these kids but yeah watching it now it's it's rough and it's sad because you think about like you know knowing like there are kids out there that have that like kind of hopeless of a, a life and where they're making those decisions that early on that are permanently fucking things up for themselves and for others mm-hmm. and it's, it's a bummer
0: and and you know uh, when it, I was listening to an interview, it was like a 20th anniversary or something like that. That it, it was like a whole panel thing. That it was like Rosario Dawson was there, Chloe was there, uh, Larry Clark, the director, was there, um, Harmony Corinne was there, and it, it was a whole thing where where when people watched it, they did have that feeling like they were wondering if they were watching a documentary and like how the documentary yeah. got into in, intimate like that. And I felt the same way. I felt like it had that. Yeah. It had and since he. Is, uh Larry Clark was uh by trait a photographer like a you know kind of like a street street photographer type but he was like a street photographer type dude and and that that's like that was like the nature of what he did I think that added to that so that absolutely that just added to it, it to the lo-fi nature of everything I don't know, yeah
1: know? and it was interesting watching it again from a like uh uh-huh. cinematic and art standpoint yeah because yeah. there was a lot of what they did that is pretty common now, but was mm. totally new. And that, like you said, that kind of street photographer style, like, you know, it was like what a lot of the HBO shows did later on, like 10 years later, or, you know, like I could, uh, there are scenes that reminded me of like the way The Wire is shot to look very good right. on the street, which was, of right. course, substantially after that. And
0: I need to get uh, into that show, man.
1: Like, that whole like, that whole like genre of indie movies, like, you could definitely see the influence of that one on a lot of, especially yeah. kinda, like, grittier
0: and and like harmony corinne wrote it at 22 years old so he was like only a few years removed from yeah. from th- that life and larry clark actually like lived with these people with the, 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 the some of the teens and hung out with the skaters oh, wow. and like lived around them for for a few years so he could kind of mm-hmm. gain like their trust and like their yeah
1: yeah i heard that a lot of the kids like he cast just like skaters that he knew mm-hmm. and that which i think is again part of why it comes off so like Almost documentary and, and feels so real. Is that, do, that using they, real kids and using, you know, everybody, like I said, everybody but Chloe is like the, the character's age or children, close to Children. Yeah, they're children, exactly. They're like, wicked children, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And at sometimes right. maybe, you know, the opening scene is that, a problem. And that, yeah. But, but at the same time, like, that's, that's how it has the impact it does. is because, like, you know, like, there's the scene where they're that, that, like, kind of that dude's house just getting high and there's all these like 11 and 12 year old boys <laughs> sitting on the couch smoking weed and then like talking weed sh- like weed talking you know and, that's crazy and it's, it's like you thinking of like man, i remember like all my friends talking like that age 16 to 25 but like 10 i'm going
0: to i'm going to get real with you i was 12 years old the first time i tried tried smoking oh. weed and like i my our our, our little nephew is 13 now and he he had an experience and it was like I was like oh shit but it was just like just kind of thinking about it because he's a tiny he's like you know he's got you know these kids are dark. they they kind of keep getting smaller as time goes yeah. by like they're getting smaller <laughs> they're getting small and and he's a tiny dude and like you just kind of look at that and then it, it's it's very jarring how did you how do you feel how did you feel watching it as a parent
1: like what what were
0: your instincts
1: <laughs> so one of the things that i've i mean i'm lucky and i've got very good kids and i'm in a you know position where i can be very supportive and be very involved yeah and i think for the most part they stay out of trouble you know they're not unintended and like i said i'm able to be around you know because that's mm. the the thing with that all the like a lot of oh, yeah. in that movie is you know their parents just are no unable to yeah, yeah no one's around exactly they're no just like around. they're just loose in you york left city to their own all fucking places you know yeah. and they yeah. left their own devices completely and and there's not like like i think they did a good job you know with the little the brief scene where with uh telly's mom of kind of like showing like this isn't necessarily some sort of oh these are shitty parents letting their kids do this like i think one of the the themes of the movie that's scary and also important is this like any kid could go this way and it's not necessarily like a neglect thing. Sometimes just parents can't be around. They can't afford to be around or they yeah. they have other responsibilities or they're overwhelmed or, you know, or they have their own issues, you know. One of the side but effects yeah, of that. late
0: stage capitalism. That's what, yeah. you
1: know what I mean? It's just, like, it, but it brought up that thing of like how much kids have to deal with, like yes. how much real life gets in the way of kids being kids and mm-hmm. how, how scary it can be to be a kid and how like, you know, you can be. Ten years old, and then having to deal with your friend getting shot, or or you know your friend's mom getting cancer, or I remember my my sister was I think five, and the dad of her classmate like killed killed his wife and himself in the car with that five year old kid in the back seat. and mm. like, can you imagine? I mean, I can't, I can't imagine dealing with something like that as an adult. Uh, much less five and then having to like live the rest of your life your whole life carry
0: it with you yeah
1: and yeah that that kind of that weird that crazy terrifying kind of like holy shit kids go through so much stuff while trying to just be kids is like one of the things i kept taking away from that movie was that's and again that like lifetime consequence for small mistakes or not even necessarily mistakes like you know just like decisions or, or or taking you know finding some joy in your life one way or another and then it you didn't take the right precaution or you you made some tiny miscalculation and now you know you're you're gonna die or you are dead. yeah like like that was
0: that was something i was you know taking into this watching it this time like i i wonder um i'm gonna compare it to another movie i covered on this podcast in just a bit but but first i want to ask like who do you think the movie was written for? Who do you think it was made for?
1: I don't know. I was trying to think about that, watching it again. Cause I feel like, I mean, and this is probably a good thing. I don't feel like they were super like, this is the message. Yeah. And if you watch it, like it took me, I had to think about it a lot afterwards to kind of see what I got out of it. I don't know. I think maybe like young adults and, and and younger Mm -hmm. middle age, like kind of again, that like, reminding them like this is what kids go through and this is what kids can get into or i d I don't yeah. know. Like I at the of course when I was, you know, 14, 15, I felt like, oh, they made a movie for me about how life <laughs> is cool and dangerous. But I I don't think that was at all the point. I think it was supposed to be, you know, written for adults and for for parents or maybe even young parents or people who might be parents at some point as a sort of like, hey, like fucking pay attention. Yeah. You know, I, I would, I take just... care of your kids. Like be supportive Yeah, them yes. listen to them. Because, you know, yes. there's there's also a vibe, the whole thing of, like, not just they're unattended, but, but like, their parents are, are are pretty, seem pretty detached the way, you know, the little bit that you hear about them or see about them. It doesn't sound like most of them have a lot of parental involvement, even just, like, conversationally or emotionally.
0: Right. Know, they, don't they don't even know, know
1: that. Um, that uh, Telly's trying to get with uh, the really young one. She seems to have, like, a strong family.
0: But everyone else right. is
1: kind of, mm-hmm. like... You don't hear much about their parents. They don't talk about them much, except, like, oh, let's even get cashed by mom or whatever. But
0: it was one of those things uh, I was just wondering why, because, you know, I was pearl clutching a little bit, right? I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's up? And, and you know,
1: I, I watch a lot of crazy shit,
0: you know. And yeah,
1: I, had, I, I, I had some of that reaction too. Right. Sure. And like I said, this was like what I kind of came to thinking about it for several days uh-huh. that, like, it sticks in your head.
0: It sticks. And, and you wonder, right? Like, is it is it Harmony Korine writing, or is it these dudes just? You know, there's there's certain things where that teeter the line of are they being? Are, is it just for shock value? Is this for? Right. Does it have Does it have value? Because I'm gonna compare it to. Uh, I also covered Train Spotting, right? And Mm train spotting had a slicker look to it, right? It's a more, uh, it's a, it's, it's this, it's a more, he had more money to it, uh, you know, higher, you know, higher budgets, but it was also a pretty uh, satirical, but also cynical look, but also honest look at like being a drug addict, right? And it was, it was giving them a bit of humanity back. This Mm -hmm. one, I think the only strand, like they're, they are like, it doesn't have I, I don't know is it is it like who is it who is this movie blaming? Right, like to, that's that's right. kind of where I'm like wondering like the pearl clutching and everything. Like, who, who is this movie blaming? What? Why does this one stick out and Train Spotting doesn't? Like, I defend Train Spotting in like you know, in, especially in the climate back in the '90s, right? This will be '95, really? so you know, you're it's it's the height of like the Clinton. It's it's you know, it's neoliberalism. It, it's very conservative out there. It, it like just in the air, you know that that's yeah. all out there. And there, you see this in interviews. With these dudes at the time, and and like even with Danny Boyle for train spotting, like they're they're even like Charlie Rose is even pressing him on like, well, does this teach children to to want to do drugs and to want to you know to want you know, and and I yeah. wonder if like does it you know do these things help the cause? Do they hurt the cause? And and that's that's what made me feel weird about the movie. I think right, like yeah,
1: there definitely was a, it really toes the line of just being voyeurism, which obviously right. Is, a problem anyways but since it's children right that part's really like that's a i don't think i'll ever watch this movie again (laughs) right right Right. i i don't again because i was closer in age at the time it didn't feel as you know troubling but now yeah especially feels troubling to watch and i definitely Uh feel like that was a a tough line i don't know I don't really know if they successfully towed
0: that line or not. It, exactly. Way. Yeah. And I wonder, it's a, it's a thing. It's, it's one of those things with Harmony. Harmony Korine's work in general borders, like a type of voyeurism, a type of, so I think that's, you know, that's his thing, right? It's a very Gen X thing. It's a very yeah. Gen X thing, right? Very Gen X uh, director thing. You ever seen any movies by that, this dude, Greg Araki? What did he do? Ah, the Doom Generation. You never see, seen the Doom Generation?
1: I don't think I've ever seen that whole movie. I know that I, I remember it, but I don't think I've seen the whole movie. That thing. was
0: Rose McGowan. Yeah. And, and then that, yeah, that was, that, like, those types of movies. Those, like, extreme, you know, there's some extreme
1: yeah.
0: uh, things to them. And they're 90s indie, you know what I mean? And, mm, and
1: Kind of almost, like, nihilistic,
0: sort of. Very, very 20 much 25. so. Very, very goth. Like, like yeah. just in the in the thought of it, right? Like, just very... Exactly, you you hit it right on the head. Nihilistic. It's I mean, is is that a character is that a Gen X characteristic? Is that a thing? A Gen X thing? I think
1: there was a lot of nihilism in Gen X stuff, mm-hmm. it seems. Um I mean, I'm I'm like a a Xennial, so I'm a little young to be you're right, you're X. in yeah, there and my right? experience lines up a lot more with millennials okay. than Gen X. But my understanding is, yeah, there's a lot, and I, that's what I remember. I mean, you know, like that's a lot of that Nirvana grunge era kind of music, right? Is all pretty nihilistic, you know, the the hate myself and want to die kind of nothing matters so, sort of attitude was so very with that.
0: With that, your the soundtrack, the impact of your life. Let's yes. let's go over let's go over this real quick. So the soundtrack was like the creation was overseen by Lou Barlow himself. You, yeah. So so Lou Barlow and John Davis were.
1: The band Full Implosion, or are the okay, band folk Okay, okay, okay. They're back together. Oh but, wow! They, yeah, they put out an EP uh, late last year. It's actually, wow! The, I, I haven't
0: uh, opened it because the,
1: I have the digital copy too. But
0: listeners, uh, he just held up a, a a copy of the of the album.
1: Of folk Implosion, If you feel it by the folk, feel it if you feel it. Wow! It's their, their most recent. It's like a four-song EP.
0: Damn, that's rad.
1: Get it on their band camp. Oh, that's right. Scott Salter produced it.
0: So it you fun. had the benefit of actually hosting Lou Barlow. Or wh- wh- what happened no, with I the just, Barlow thing? What was, what was all that? I saw Lou Barlow. I Who went saw to Lou, Lou Barlow? show. Okay. What, um, where, what, what happened? What was all that? So well, he did that...
1: a, like, living room style kind of tour, and he played... Where At was this it? This guy's kind of loft apartment um, over right by Monarch.
0: Okay, uh, got you.
1: Rio Grande,
0: I think. Oh, that's awesome. Uh,
1: above, I think it's above where Red Door Vintage used to be in that tattoo got you Okay. Um, yeah, he's this guy's a real cool like loft apartment up there, and I guess he just heard that Lou Barlow was looking for places to do shows, or maybe someone had reached out. Had yeah, he was going to like, like, do it. The, uh-huh. They were going to do a nature house, but they couldn't host it, so their friends like, oh, "I'll do it." Um, So i went and saw that and like you know 15 20 people watching him he did an acoustic set uh it was really cool he he talked a lot about like the history of the band and and that album and stuff like that And i've read some interviews of the two and so basically Uh like they were this um super diy lo-fi band uh john davis and lou barlow called full complosion they did these kind of little like diy lo-fi punk kind of sounding
0: things cool
1: uh, they had a couple records before that, a lot of, you know, real short songs. Um, and they would record them all at John Davis's house, I think, usually on, on four track. Um, they're both kind of, I mean, Lou Barlow is kind of like the king of lo-fi indie from that era, you know. Right. Between, okay. Between folk complosion, Sebado and then his solo stuff, either under his own name or under the, uh, he had a band called Centrado, oh. which was his like uh, acoustic soft uh four track home recording solo sucks is very prolific. He wrote a lot. He still does. And he would record these, you know, little four-track tapes and CDs and stuff. And all those bands kind of I think the combination of how much he toured a Sebado and how all these bands kind of worked together, they all kind of rose together. Like it actually culminated post kids soundtrack in both Sebado and Full Complosion getting signed to major labels and gotcha. just absolutely I mean, part of it was that he had a pretty bad uh, meth, uh, amphetamine addiction oh, nice. at the time. Of, of, yeah, of, I mean, uh, it's other time. Deal. Yeah, and he, and he apparently, <laughs> was, as, as from his words, was absolutely a nightmare to be around. As a result, uh-huh. uh, and that's what tore those fans apart. Yeah. But they made some good music at the time too. But anyway, so the they had been doing these real lo-fi, little kind of punk-ish sounding records, and I don't remember. Shoot, I read I read it, but I don't remember exactly how. But one of the I guess one of the filmmakers probably had heard them. Okay. That's, I, I that's say, there's I so much say that say
0: I was, couldn't find. I couldn't find any information yeah, on.
1: I want to say maybe the director, uh, Larry Larry Clark had had heard of them. They're they're based in Boston at the time, I think. Okay. And maybe he had heard of them through his, you know, being a hip dude in the Northeast, also. Um and so they hired them and commissioned them to do this soundtrack That's so so they, rad. Got, so they got a budget and they got mm-hmm. uh it was distributed by london records and okay. so london records i think gave them budget and they actually were in the process of recording an album called uh dare to be surprised like it was i think halfway a little more than halfway done when this hat soundtrack happened and you can actually listen to that album and you can hear what songs were probably recorded before and after the soundtrack which is kind of oh, cool. wow cuz the the ones that were before are still the kind of like spastic's a little too strong of word and plus not a very kind word but like a, like feel like you know like <laughs> yeah, guess, your, yeah, your, yeah, jerky kind of angular they would call it angular hooks on uh oh. <laughs> angular guitar hooks kind of you know like got you uh, you know there's songs like ba Ba-da, ba ba ba-da-da-da, ba-da-da-da, you know like that kind of like real jumpy jerky melodic guitar stuff yeah and then the the drums would be real, like, loose, kind of punk-rocky drums. And that was the kind of pre kid soundtrack stuff. And then with the Kids soundtrack, um, I think that's where they met up with this producer named Wally Gaggle, or Gagel, or I don't know how to say his name, because I've never okay. heard it. I've just read it. But he loved drum machines. And they had done some drum machine stuff, too, but I think he introduced them to, his, like, the NPC like, sampling drum machines. Oh, cool and that's where those loops come from like okay and and they did a lot of like they do like a a drum loop and then play drums over it so like you'll hear a lot of their songs have two drum parts on them and one's like a programmed real rigid real tight or a sampled beat you know there's a, a bunch on this record on the soundtrack there's a bunch of you know like i think one of them has the um Amen, break on it, you know. Yeah, like some famous yeah. loops. It had its, and, it,
0: had, it had this lo fi trip hop vibe to it. And yeah, that, there's I mean, a lot. It's, really it's amazing. Cool amazing.
1: Yeah. Amazing. I went to the, the, the snitch site who sampled.com the other day and looked up some yeah. of the the sample chains oh yeah i know producers hate that site but as a music nerd i love that as a
0: as a a producer and music nerd i love that i I actually hadn't
1: heard of it recently i I saw some producer who's real sample heavy referring to it as a snitch site and i was like i guess that makes sense like if you're if you're sampling stuff and you don't want people to like the the original writers to know about Uh it and then your fans go and you know put like oh yeah hobby sampled this record i guess that could be a problem I um, try to, but, you know, the, the it's
0: there. There's ways to hide samples. There's oh, ways sure. to affect them. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I mean, that's how I do it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I love sampling, so I'm I'm all for it. But I think you there's ways, like you said, there's ways to avoid getting caught and finding good sources and changing them enough that you can make the transformative work argument, et etc. But I mean, you know, at this point when this came out in mid '90s, like it was wild west. People weren't, it's wild west. People weren't enforcing. Like it was so cool because. And, you could, I mean, like, you know, there was so much stuff around that time, like the DJ Shadow records and stuff that you could never clear now because of the internet, they can actually find out. Whereas, you know, like the people that they were sampling on this, you know, those bands are never going to hear Full Composition. You know, those artists aren't ever going to hear the kids Soundtrack. And so they can sample and it, it's not going to matter. It's just like how there was, for a long time, there was such a strong separation between hip hop and other music. The hip hop artists could sample everything Mm -hmm, exactly and and not have to worry about it which is part of why hip-hop got so interesting and exciting
0: and you know that that's a thing right in this era this is like the i mean it's we okay so let me go let me go through the uh the real quick run through of the uh track list for the soundtrack we got daniel johnson which i was gonna bring that up okay so daniel johnson casper I was excited to talk to you about this because I it you you bringing this up and then me learning who it, and who, like there's the Lou Barlow know it I was like okay he's gonna know this he's gonna just, so <laughs> I'm just wondering like how they got that ja- Daniel Johnson song to be on it you know what I'm saying like
1: like who would have it- been you know. I want to say maybe, and was, then the slint um, song
0: too. Like I'm just
1: wondering yeah, how. I want to know? say maybe the Daniel Johnson came from Lou Barlow and, da- uh, and John Davis. Like they suggested it, but I, mm-hmm. again, the information is scant. It okay, was a it, right? somewhat okay. Independent, a somewhat independent fi- or a very independent film. Very. And you know, full composition, This is what kind of got them started. So it wasn't like there was a lot of big press looking at mm-hmm. them. This is in the days. You know, I'm sure there are probably zines so who did some great interviews, but those were Xerox and nailed around. So oh, yeah, they don't exactly. Exist it's so you hard. There it wasn't. It's such a different time where there were like you know maybe five or ten magazines that covered music, and you know what like ninety page, ninety six pages or forty eight pages per issue, and most of those are going to go to major label artists, established major label artists. You know it's going to be the cover artists. They, I remember Rolling Stone and Spin. They would have their their album reviews, and they'd review like fifty or sixty records per. Issue, and so you get these paragraphs that were like an inch to two right. inches long and tiny type, where they have you know maybe eight sentences that they talk about an indie band. Right. They often have like a kind of new and notable section that was like a half page column. And now, like in hindsight, I realize like all those indie new and notables are like the top artists at Matador and places like that where they yeah like, they were indie, but they're selling fifty to hundred thousand copies of their record. It's not like they were they're obscure to me in El Paso because this is pre internet. Yeah, and we didn't know. Like we, we, didn't have a local. For a while, we had um, Scott with Augustus would play any music,
0: oh, and that sometimes was awesome. stepping
1: out, stepping out would do cool stuff.
0: Stepping out was cool, but yeah, with the with good, it, whole...
1: it was more hit or miss than
0: Scott with Augustus. Uh, Scott with Augustus, was... despite
1: the name, played everything.
0: Everything, everything. He yeah. was so fun. The punk, the punk and sky show. It was so. Uh, yeah. It was such a cool. general, and,
1: like just to tune there into was that no way to find these bands, you know, right. Like, like, I mean, that's why it took me so long to get the kids soundtrack or, or track down, like tracking down full Complosions records is like a quest um, for a few hmm. years. Cause you couldn't just mail order them. Uh, I mean, you could literally mail order them if you could get the communion records who has put out a lot of their stuff, communion group, I think. Okay. You could get their paper catalog. Wow. In cash or a check and they would How mail the CD. Uh, but I, I didn't have access to that cause I didn't live in the Northeast and it didn't get out here. And mm. I didn't know anyone who had that contact mm-hmm. Um, I know for a while Lou Barlow had a PO box you could order his stuff from, but I think that's he only so the Lou Barlow stuff. Um, and again, you know, mailing cash. Wild, right? Know, so, yeah. I was a teenager. So there was still that feeling like, oh, mom wouldn't let me mail 20 bucks to some dude in Boston, you know? Right. She probably actually, now I know, I realize like, yes, yeah, she would. My mom was a, is a photographer. She like, you know, understands the art hustle and all that. She mm. was like, oh, that's really cool a little friend of yours hmm. <laughs> um and think, but think like, about it yeah it's hard to find so i don't i don't know how they got daniel johnson i assume it came through probably uh full conclusion but it may be the director as well but i'm glad they did because um, that was also the first place i ever heard him i'd never okay heard think about. i mean you know I, okay. I later moved to austin and he was still a big deal there so i heard all about him there i i you know seen the daniel johnson shirt that kurt cobain had and i'd heard the exactly name or whatever but yeah. i never heard any of his music and I didn't know his story and I remember hearing those songs and like what is this this is super cool uh huh wow it's another one of those too like when you listen to those two um daniel johnson songs you can hear so much of like the folk punk mm-hmm. lo-fi stuff that came 10 15 years later like i mean you know, the Juno soundtrack owes a lot to... To everything. To oh, the, moldy, the Moldy Peaches, the yeah.
0: Moldy Peaches everything to that, you know what I mean? Yeah. For sure, for <laughs> sure, for sure. The, 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 the trails up. I mean, even, even the fucking Strokes, man, like even the, the, yeah. the, the, the you know, like they toured with like them and Adam green and shit forever. Like that was their fucking, that was their vibe. That was, I mean, that was their, you know, the seed of where they they came from. That's, that's wild, man. That It's wild to think that and to think, you know, so how was like, what was Austin? Okay. Real quick. I'm going to ask about Austin, but real quick, let me go. And I'm going to ask two things. Uh, Let's see. Daniel Johnson, Casper, deluxe folk implosion, daddy, never understood folk implosion, nothing going to stop. So, What's the difference between the first question? What's the difference between deluxe folk implosion and folk implosion?
1: So folk implosion is Lou Barlow and John Davis. Yes. Deluxe folk implosion adds in um, one of the drummers from Sebado and maybe a bass player. Also, I I don't know them as well, but I remember looking this up. But basically, it's like a it's a it's an augmented version of the band. uh, But they do way more punk stuff.
0: Cool. Um, and I mean, that song, yeah, that song is that, is that, is that much more, you know, th- this, this
1: soundtrack Bob, has several heads. Bob points. Faye and Mark Peretta are the gotcha. are other people. Bob Faye is a drummer. Mark Peretta is, I, I think, oh, he may play guitar because Barlow is the bassist. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cool. Um But yeah, so they, they joined to be able to play stuff live, but they also did the stuff that was deluxe full Like they have a, an album that I bought from Lou Barlow uh, at that yeah. show of deluxe full composure stuff and it it's like straight punk, like like the dead never understood song you know real mm-hmm. like yelly and, and, and super fun kind of a different different vibe from especially where full composure went with this soundtrack and after it was this sort of like trip hoppy indie pop uh kind of dreamy thing you know
0: so they do so it's nothing's gonna stop jenny's theme uh jenny's theme a fucking uh such a it's a good one, yeah. Good. That's a good one. That's
1: such a good that's one. It's a really good song. It's it such I a think, heavy uh, song. A heavy song. It is. But it's one of my favorite of the instrumental uh, exactly. themes on this. And that's, yeah. So, and the, the, um, there's several It's the one I immediately this. remember, too. Like, some of these, when I listen to them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. Like, the Simeon Groove, when I heard it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. But, right. But uh, Jenny's theme was like, oh, that's, other than natural one, that's what I think of when mm-hmm. I think of this album and the full composition songs on it.
0: So there's Casper and Casper the Friendly Ghost by Daniel yes. Johnson, uh, Folk Implosion, Natural One, Sebado, uh Spoiled, Folk Implosion, Has Crash and Wet Stuff Next, Low down, Mad Fright Night, Another Folk Implosion, Raise the Bells, and then Slint, Good Morning Captain. Let's talk about Slint for a moment and then we'll go into yeah. a little bit about like, the another thing I would, okay, first, first. What was Austin like when you got out there? How? What age were you there at? What was it like? What was the trails of of like you know that scene? What, what's so that, what was that?
1: I moved there in '99 when
0: I was 18.
1: Okay. Um, musically, what was going on? Actually, Slint is very relevant to Austin that era. There was a lot All right, of that. Do it. Bring them up. Yeah, there's a lot of that like uh, math-rocky indie All stuff right. with the kind of you know like next generation off Sonic Youth kind of thing that, that very much borrowed from like, or came off that line lineage of like David Paho and, and Slint and Tortoise and those right. kind of Midwest pretty, but dissonant kind of buildy songs and lots of arpeggios and little melodies and, and interesting, uh, you know, really cool guitar work. There Super. was also, you know, very, a lot of post-punk and post, post-rock like early post-rock, like before post-rock was um, explosions in the sky kind of mm-hmm. cinematic stuff when it was a little more angular and uh abstract sometimes gotcha um and yeah and the post you know kind of post-punk things and uh this is also in that era that one of the running jokes we always had my my uh, older sibling and i always had was that every band had at least one former bass player about the drive-in in in it Uh, She kept introducing me. That's fucking funny. Like, oh, yeah. Like every, like she kept introducing me. Hey, this is like, Eric oh, Sanger. No, this is such and such. But he used to play bass in have the drive in because they had that period where so they like went through like four of them in a, in a year or something. <laughs> and it was also kind of cool going out there because the other thing, besides the have yeah, the drive in members, that like almost every band had at least one member from El Paso. Like I had never really oh. realized. I mean, it makes, you know, now it makes sense, but at the time I, I just figured that El Paso musicians just kind of, dried up or quit you know which a lot of them do um but unfortunately a of, you know, yeah a lot of because there's not a lot of opportunity but a lot of them move to Austin and you know there's something about El Paso with the combination of the isolation the extremely varied and deep culture I feel like there are a lot of really strong and creative musicians that come out of here um there's just it's such a unique city that it's hard to you almost have to try to not be unique as an individual and so I think that was a big thing as far as like uh artists from here like musicians from here finding bands there they were usually an asset because they had kind of this different background you know they they were going to bring something new they're going to have some sort of you know they're going to be informed by the all the the music coming over from mexico right. or coming from all the the you know foreign military members at fort bliss and right. stuff, you know, but yeah so austin was a lot of that kind of thing going on that kind of music um yeah, and it was you know there was always that like kind of DIYish kind of like now there's always like one kind of hip DIY venue that lasts yeah. for six weeks and then gets closed down. That's what this uh, movie is. This
0: movie is yeah. exactly that. This movie is the the DIY venue of 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 indie cinema, right? Like it, it's yeah. totally it's totally that. Like it has
1: Well, the the all whole of theme, it. the whole like ongoing thing. This is a terrible way to trivialize it because it's such a sad story. But the whole ongoing thing of of. Uh, Jenny trying to find Telly reminded me of looking for things to do. Yeah, like like trying to find like oh, I got to get a hold of such and such. They know about a show, but no one has cell phones yet. So you got to call a payphone, call their call their mom. No, no, he's not. I think he went to the hobby's house. No, he's not here, man. Try try Jenny's. You know, like that whole like thing. Or like I said, just going to venues and 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 seeing. Oh, is is this place open tonight? Right. Who's playing? Or you know a lot of times because el paso venues especially then are unprofessional and don't usually run on time it's a you know a manana nobody ever show up late et cetera. Right? yeah never you go a, a lot of times you go to the venue and you look for the band Yeah. So uh, the, the band would be you know especially if they're a touring band they'd be expecting they probably were told like yeah load-ins at 4 p.m you better be there and of course no one shows up till 10 yeah. but they're like so you'd go and you'd find the band like hey man is there a show tonight yeah we're playing uh i think at 10 what 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 are you? Like, what band are you? So you kind of have to like go around and find stuff. So going to Austin and having like, having to choose between like five of your favorite bands on wow. a single night How was, fun. was crazy. Like I remember, um, I think Matthew Sweet and Flaming Lips played the same night. Cool. Yeah. We chose Matthew cool. Sweet, which I'm still not sure was the right call, but uh, it was a great probably show. not. Probably oh, that's not. fun. At, that's fun. He yelled at me. And no, probably not. <laughs> he threw not. a pick into the crowd and it landed on this girl's shoulder. And it sat there for like three songs, and then I took it. Fuck yeah! Like when I picked it up, he starts yelling, "I threw that to her. That is perfect." I'm like, dude, like where I come from, like the fact that you threw in the crowd is justification for again, bro. So like flatten each other to get it. (laughs) I thought I was being really nice. And, that's silly uh, like, i'll give you one of these and he took one off the mic so was like i don't want one that you didn't use that's just like i get that <laughs> out of guitar center but he apologized after the show for yelling at me <laughs> he was indeed rather sweet
0: but the <laughs> flaming lips you probably would have like tripped on some acid or some shit i, you know I mean i
1: wasn't i would do, psychedel- oh, do psychedelics i okay. still i'm, okay, I'm okay. a pretty boring guy chemical wise but yeah it would have been a trip for sure because oh, that was okay, okay that was a soft bulletin tour
0: uh um, oh how fun
1: yeah oh so Uh, i I, what a good i wish i because i still haven't seen them so i wish i had gone that one but there are i never cars there are so many shows that i didn't go to i kind of had to rely on like my roommate at the time who got more and more unreliable as he got this girlfriend who uh wanted to like kind of take all of his time really like monopolize like i actually missed full complotion (sighs) because he decided last second not to go and it was last second (sighs) enough that i couldn't find another ride and it would i wouldn't get there in time with the bus uh yeah I, not that i'm still fucking bitter about it but they came through on the on tour for their last album the one part lullaby wow uh, which was their like major label so they i think we're, we're like they, that ties back into what we we're talking about like the production of the album so they this album was like this huge change stylistically for them like it's still the like the harmonies were always kind of a thing that was kind of going like counter melody harmony stuff um John Davis has a very unique approach to guitar that was always a big thing. And then Lou Barlow's bass line, he's, he always writes these melodic bass lines. And so, of course, the yeah. has, you know, got a great voice and writes these great melodies. And I mean, they both wrote the melodies together, but they write these incredible melodies and harmonies. And that really took, like, you hear that natural one and that kind of, like, jumped forward. And that combination of that with the drum loops and drum machines kind of changed their trajectory entirely. And Dare to be Surprised has a lot of that and you hear a lot okay. of the, like like i was talking about the layered uh drum machine and then one of them playing drums over it um a lot of the counter melody harmony stuff like i pretty much learned how to sing harmony and like the idea that oh. harmonies are more interesting when they're not just stacking intervals you know you're not just like following the mel- that parallel third right. parallel points i figured that out learned it from full conclusion records how cool uh, um and and the same with like my love of drum loops like i always say that natural one permanently changed the way i i mean i wasn't an engineer or producer yet i was you know doing four track stuff from time to time but like i still mix drums really loud because of same. that same wow, because of that okay. song because wow. that song and i mean it was part of it was <laughs> yeah. that song became this huge gateway into like i love the way the drums sound on that why do they sound like that and then i started you know then i heard the like the hip-hop songs and then you know i I'd, I'd heard mainstream rap but a lot of mainstream rap in the 90s, the production was very secondary or tertiary. It's, you know, like they, one little loop and maybe the drums are kind of bumping, but they're not the like big, dirty funk drums anymore.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So a lot of, at least not, not the stuff I remember hearing. I don't remember hearing like big breakbeat stuff on mainstream hip hop as much. And so like I, I heard that and started to understand like, oh, just like there's all this music that's out there that's not mainstream. And that's not right. just rock, that's, you know, that's hip hop as well. And starting, you know, hearing a little bit more of the stuff that was more sample heavy and, and a little bit deeper production wise, it wasn't pop music that was, right. you know, music centric, not sales centric, And just like rock and roll, like, you know, you get past that surface stuff, you start to get to the really good, you know, there's some of the art stuff makes the top in both of those, but a lot of the stuff that's at the top is the, what's going to sell, what's going to make us money. Who's the hot, you know, the hot talent of the moment. Yep you know here's many chant and many like creative things but i started to get into like you know trip-hop and uh big b like an electronica stuff because shortly after that, that's when like chemical brothers and orbital and all those bands broke oh yeah uh, that so i learned you know that that was very much my shit still is and that also so made my, me bring yeah. those drums up and louder and louder and then you know that introduced me that's, to that's more th- like hip-hop yeah. sampling stuff and, I feel like I'm I'm I feel
0: listening to you, I have a similar type of like and it's it's not the same bands, but it's people that were the the people that were inspiring to me in that and were inspired by bands like this, like Beck like growing up Beck Beck was my shit, you know what I mean? And then like I
1: still love Beck. Beck is one of those artists that like every every time I listen to him like Oh right that's where i got that. <laughs> yeah and exactly
0: and then that's that that Dust Brothers thing that that yeah. that happened on those records you know what i'm saying that stuff and then yeah. like Dust Brothers oh, with Dust like Brothers like, like fucking like all that shit with with like the Beastie Boys you know what i mean like and that yeah. that is this album that's that's a whole yeah. Yeah. it ties back into like i have this whole thesis to where like you know hip hop punk rock and like dance music is like like old you know dance punk shit like that it's all it's all one thing it's not even yeah. there's no there's no separation they're all born out of struggle right like it's they're all born out of a certain thing and and listening to you and hearing what influenced you i feel like it's what influenced the people that were i was influenced like immediately by to to get into for tracking and to get into Mm -hmm. okay well there's there's these drum loops because i don't know how to play drums i don't know how to yeah you know i I I can barely
1: play drums now and i've been trying since i was 14 same right right
0: exactly and then and then you see bands like that or, or you'll hear like Oh, like that's, that's what gorillas did. And then it's mm-hmm. like, and then I learned, and then it's like, a, I'll find like a TV I, and then back same, I found TV on the radio through, I used to read trans world, <sighs> trans world magazine. Um, uh, and then tra- even trans world magazine had a small huge. record, you know, they had a small record um, uh, to, to uh, review about um, independent you know, music and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where I heard about the first, uh, uh, TV on the radio EP and I like I found it at that at all that music and it was like the only copy there you know what I mean and it was like in the remember all that music back in the day also Mm -hmm. like they had a tiny like they still have a tiny indie section but like it was even tinier back then so it's like you just had to kind of like pluck the and I feel that this movie this soundtrack has the thumbprints and and the fingerprints of that type of thing it's 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 a movie that you don't you're not automatically fed it. It's yeah. something that's that's there, um, and you hear you know you hear grumblings. I mean, more now, more now that there's like legacy stuff and that you yeah, know, that- yeah it launched the careers of so many people and there's so much tragedy to, uh, to, uh, attached to it too like like uh, um, uh, to Justin Pierce who played Casper and yeah. Harold Hunter both uh, passed away uh, uh, you know young a few years apart Justin Pierce died in like the year 2000 uh, Harold Hunter died in the year 2006 um, both you know uh, Justin Pierce was by suicide Harold Hunter was by a cocaine overdose like a heart attack yeah. because cocaine overdose you know what I mean both skaters yeah. both part of like that Zoo York crew you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah like big
1: parts of New York
0: and we haven't even talked about like that aspect of of, of New York and what the what that all entailed. Because it, it's crazy also that you're saying, you know, I that's what I wanted to hear too from you is that there's it's New York but then but Lou Barlow is like a Bostonian type dude. Mm-hmm. You know and that's Yeah Daniel like,
1: Johnson's from Austin, Sledge right. was Chicago. And it's it's so still it's, it's a which bit, is interesting when you right. think about it. there's not a lot of New York on the record. I not don't know. At all. Where, but it's the down from
0: but... it's the it's the sonic aesthetic of the hip hop grime. I think that's what ties all this together. What ties all yeah. the all of it together is the grime of it. It's it's yeah the the handmade nature of it, right? Like mm-hmm. that's wild. Ooh, woo woo.
1: Well, and I mean, even even the slant song, you know, which exactly actually in the movie. Uh, yes. All, even right. that, like, there's a there's a certain like kind of grimy hip y vibe feel to it because it's got that really repetitive bass line and, and drum beat yeah uh, there's actually at least one band that sampled them i, I looked it up because i was kind of curious oh really i, I didn't yeah, know that. find it because i don't know who it was but because i've actually i've grabbed that intro into my sampler a couple times and tried to do something with it Ooh. and i've never never succeeded you uh, know
0: spider like, is is such a uh such an amazing record i mean that that band too man like fucking i mean shouts out to, to pajo you know shouts out to, to i don't know him i don't I, I don't know if he's gonna listen to this and shout it out but i i fucking <laughs> oh, i to together and listen to right, it
1: together, I, think.
0: I admire what he's doing and then he's doing like gang of four and
1: shit now but it's definitely got that that gritty thing to it and of course it's right just, like, long, like, uh a churning build and and uh-huh. it builds up that big yelling i miss you and the big guitars and that was a fine that's a fine choice for this fucking soundtrack man that's, yeah. that's fucking oh yeah crazy. it fits on there I don't know why it's not in the movie but it fits on the soundtrack right think the
0: lo-fi aesthetic and the lo-fi nature of the film and the soundtrack itself and the way that we've like come ag- about like finding it right and the way that we you know you you it's not stuff that's on the surface it's stuff that you got to dig i think yeah that is now become how, like it, it's it's a it's a countercultural characteristic that's that's you know becoming part of like the gen z like the culture like the main culture of a gen, gen z i oh, guess. Yeah, yeah. or like do we just see it because we see like kids like us doing the things you know what i mean or is it is it like is it
1: is it happening I mean, across I, the board you know what i mean because what i can tell i mean you know of course my sample size of those age groups is almost right. exclusively musicians so <laughs> yeah I, I'm exactly coming from a very biased viewpoint but i think that like discovery culture is a big thing like uh-huh yes you know like i you know i mean that's what all the algorithms are built on and stuff and you know unfortunately that means that it's mass culture it gets manipulated etc but uh-huh. like i think I mean, I think everybody likes to find things that they love and that are unique. I think that our generation, you know, we were just so, we just weren't able to. Like, it was so much work.
0: Yeah. That
1: you had to yeah be that's kind what of made like a, a big nerd like we were, you know, you had to be like really into yes. something yeah. to really hunt it down because it took a lot of work. You know, you had to find so- local sources who could tell you the, the regional sources, who tell you the national sources. Like, you know, one of my biggest musical influences was probably this girl I rode the bus with who would make... Uh, i would trade her she didn't have internet yet so i would download guitar tabs for her and she would trade cool. i would trade her that for uh she'd make mixtapes of all that she all the shit she bought from um the indie labels in the pacific northwest wow so she'd buy like stuff from like k records and and kill rock stars and cool. uh, some pop and stuff you know, all these like seven inches and and comps and and you know really tiny at the time tiny bands like you know before sleater copied me a bunch of sleeper sleeper kitty records. Oh cool, man. So, but like th- that's the only way I could find that shit was because this person who had lived somewhere else that had better resources. Yeah, she'd heard about it. And then she brought in, you know, so like and we'd have to work out this trade. And, uh-huh. and then, you know, fledgling internet, you'd hear little bits and pieces there, or you find a zine or you go on vac- and- vacation, you know, like your, your parents would take you somewhere and you beg them to go to a record store and you spend an hour like digging to the local section or the or the indie section just looking for band names you recognized. Or,
0: uh, or you cooler. thought you recognized. You thought, yeah. like, you're like, oh, I think I know who this is. And you listen yeah, to right. like, nah, like not it. Well, not Modest I Mouse,
1: it before they got signed right? to the major label. Right. I always heard, mo- I was a huge, pay- I still am, huge Pavement fan. Uh, okay girl on the bus introduced me to Pavement. <laughs> and uh, I always heard Modest Mouse mentioned in the same breath as Pavement. And it took forever to, like, I yeah. had just blind bought some 7 inches from them. Like, on at record stores. Because I'd never heard them. And I couldn't, there was no way to go, like. Listen to it online because there was no streaming. And even like a 30 second sound at that point would take you, you know, 20 minutes to download. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: if you could find it, so there wasn't that like preview availability. So I just like went on, I want to say I bought it on eBay. I bought like a random couple of seven inches from Modest Mouse. It's like, oh, why not? Five bucks. Let's try it. Wow. And then put it on like, holy shit, this band.
0: I think that's the beauty of the soundtrack and the beauty of the, of the film itself. I think that's possibly why why people continue to watch it because it is hard to watch. It's a hard piece of art. And sometimes works of art are just really hard to watch, right? And Yeah. And there's they a make, very... They're supposed
1: to make you feel something exactly. and something's not a good thing
0: you feel. And it's very tactile. And the discovery and the tactileness of discovery and digging in the crates, it's, it's a thing. It's a special thing. It's a bond you fucking you build with that's the premise of this whole of this whole podcast is the bond that you build with the things that you hear and how you found them and what you know how you heard them for the first time so for, so to say all that what's your favorite song on the album
1: probably if i have to pick a favorite I, it's the you know lame thing to do but it's going to be natural on the single just just because wow. of its impact i mean first of all it's a great song oh no, it's an amazing like, song yeah again that was like a single like, inflection point for me musically that an enormous amount of how I write music, how I record music, how I produce, how I approach releasing music comes from hearing that song when I did. Like like I said, that was kind of really opening the doors to indie music, hearing the drums like that, learning about loops, the, just the idea that um, the band was two people. Like that was huge right. to me because I was, you know... I had a friend that we wrote songs with, and we were always like, well, when we, when we get a drummer, we'll do this. When we get a bass player, we'll do this. And it was like, fuck that. We don't need any of those. We just need a four-track yeah. drum machine, and we can do all that. And you know, eventually, it's like, I also don't need him if he wants to flake out on it. I can write my <laughs> own shit. You know, I can record all this myself. I can do solo stuff. And then I can put a band together if I want, but I don't have to. And then yeah. when I want to put it out, I can look for a label, or I don't have to. You know, around that same time, after you know, doing exploration, learning about any music, I've read the um, Simple Machines Mechanics Guide to Releasing Your Own Record, I think is what it's called, which is a zine from the mid-90s about putting out an independent record. Uh, oh. Yeah, it was like a step-by-step guidebook, and I found it online in uh, like a text file from, um, I can't, I think Simple Machines Records in the Pacific, I think they're in the Pacific Northwest, but I'm not sure, they may have been a Midwest band or label. Uh, And they wrote this step-by-step guide of like how to record. Here's all the different ways you can record from boombox to professional studio. Uh, How to get, you know, decide what format you're going to put out. Are you going to put out cassette? Are you going to put out vinyl? Are you going to put out CD? What are the costs when related to that? What are the processes related to that? How do you get mastered? You know, now you've got your records. How are you going to distribute them? Are you going to sell them at shows? Are you going to do mail order? What are the thing? Like, it's just a very step-by-step guide. It's designed to make it look. Like, to make you realize, like, you can do this. That's, like, all there is to wow. doing it is doing it. And so uh, that song, like I said, is the one that caught my ear. And it, it, like, really was this huge, I went from this, like, the normal, oh, I'm going to write songs, and we're going to make a cool demo, and they're going to mail it to labels, and they're going to get discovered, and they're going to show up in a limousine full of money, <laughs> and realize, that, like, I didn't give a shit about any of that. I just liked making the music and the sounds, and that I didn't have to seek all that to be able to do it. I could right. go my own way have complete control and and scale up and down however i want and be able to do the thing without waiting around for someone to give me permission to do the thing you know and that was huge like so that that's got to be the it's going to be my favorite for that i mean you know it's also Damn. a great song like musically it's badass but it's the, the like the emotional and and life impact of that song was so great that i have to
0: that's fucking give that
1: one the the big the top spot
0: that's amazing. That's how we're going to end it. Because my favorite, like, like any way I can explain it, it's my favorites because it sounds cool. It's, like it's slint. It's the slint because yeah. slint's for me. Slint just yeah. sounds cool. That's the, But I'm not going to. I won't be able to top that. <laughs> Ross, thank you very much for jumping on. Uh, oh, so um, you'll be back. We'll talk about another movie and we'll just end up talking about, you know, music again. Give out plugs. Uh, where where can people find you? What What do you? You're
1: everywhere. You're doing a lot. List, so listing. solo stuff ross um i have an album and an ep out i am currently working on i was in the studio today working on a new album uh i have an idea of when it's going to come out but we're not you know i don't want to i don't want to pin down release dates and then be wrong yeah. um ogar records is my label um i want to make sure I, i'm pretty sure it's Ogar Bandcamp is the place to go for that yeah um, I believe so and we've got my records uh, as well as EAP which is the band I'm in Um, we're also putting out a bunch of other bands we, we put out a really great record from my friend Rosie last year uh, under the Rosie amazing Girl shout Project. out to
0: Rosie
1: beautiful album beautiful person just one of my yeah, she's great you know, she just, one of my 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 sisters for sure at this point um, I gotta get on her on the podcast great records this year the Acid Wave record is gonna be amazing the other two okay. we can't have wait. It, Announced yet are great. Um yeah, and I'm on you know all the social medias. Uh if if you want to Ross makes um, records?
0: Ross makes re-
1: Ross makes Yeah, records? Ross makes records is makes records. generally my handle. Uh, I think there's a I think the second O and I think the O and records is missing for Twitter because it was too many letters, but <laughs> Ross makes records huh? is Records. me on a lot of a lot of uh platforms. Um yeah, uh Brainville is my studio. We don't really have a reliable website, but you can find us Brainville Music at Instagram. Um, Yeah, that's the main big things.
0: Thank you very much, Ross. We had a great time Thank chatting. You. Uh, you can find me at underscore JJ Caballero, uh, J-J-C-A-B-A-L-L-E-R-O on most of the platforms. Uh, I'm mainly using Letterboxd now just because of movies and shit. But, uh, but uh, that, you know, Instagram, I post on there sometimes. Twitter, I ain't using that place anymore. I, I ain't over there anymore. You can also find me at Uh TPG Radio, thank you for uh, listening to TPG. This is a TPG Radio production. Uh, you can find us at thepalimpsestgroup.com uh, or tpgradio.com. I, I don't know if that one is there, but you can find us at TPG Radio on all the social medias. Uh, thank you once again for letting me have this show and letting me do pretty much whatever I want to do. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll listen to you later.